0: The, the lower-end market and the entry-level market is, is really hurting from a lack of inventory, uh, which is driving prices up.
1: Welcome to the Maryland Real Estate Influencers Podcast, where we explore the ins and outs of their local real estate market. Join us as we chat with industry experts, uncovering tips, trends, and strategies to help you navigate Maryland's real estate landscape. Get ready to elevate your real estate game. Let's dive in. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for joining in to another episode of Maryland Real Estate Influencers. And today we have a great guest for you, uh, Kirk Steffes. Uh, Did I pronounce the last name correctly? Yes. Oh, perfect. Thank you so very much, Kirk, for coming on here and sharing with the community a little bit about you. Um, you are one of the five percent, uh, one of the top five percent realtors in the state of Maryland. And so, first of all, just thank you for being willing to come on here and sharing with the community.
0: Oh, no problem. Glad I could help.
1: Absolutely. So, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about you, how you got into the business, and how long you've been in the business?
0: So, I've been in real estate for about twenty-five years. Um, I started off building new homes um, in Dallas, and then we moved up here about. Oh, six, 17, 18 years ago, and was working with a builder up here, and then when the market started to slow down, I transitioned back into just general real estate at that time.
1: Oh, okay. Been,
0: been with uh, general real estate since oh, probably 2008.
1: Wow, wonderful. Now, do you do you do a lot still in the new home community, or has that just been a distant part of your past?
0: It's I sell a few new homes once in a while, but I don't do anything really building a wise anymore.
1: Okay. I understand that completely. And where, uh, what? do you have a location or a demographic area that you typically work in?
0: So I'm in Hartford County. Um, So I cover Hartford County, Baltimore County, um, Cecil County, and a little bit of the city, um, general where I work, the north of the city area.
1: Okay, gotcha. And uh, does anybody in your family work in the real estate business with you or are you doing it alone?
0: No, uh, my wife has a a real career. She's a uh, department chair at Towson University. She's a college professor.
1: Very cool. Very cool. My kids went to Towson. Well, uh, the older two. Um, So that is wonderful. That is wonderful. I always ask that question because uh, my kids want no parts of the real estate community uh, of the real estate industry because of how much. I work nights and weekends, and so it has terrified them. <laughs> they, they all want nine-to-five jobs or yeah. six-to-two, whatever they were. And, uh, but So I always have to ask that question to everybody. Uh, do you have a business coach or a mentor that you work with?
0: I do. I have a company that I work with that does some coaching. It's part of my marketing program. Uh, you know, they help me. Coaching helps to keep me focused and in line and, you know, kind of a, in a direction that I want to go.
1: I understand that completely. And how long have you been in coaching?
0: Oh, I've had a coaching on and off my entire career. So uh, I've been uh-huh. fortunate to have worked with some of the greatest coaches in the industry. When uh, I was with the new home company, we had, uh, you know, great coaching and everybody worked there. And so I kind of followed through on that through my entire career. That's great. That's really wonderful.
1: Um, I, I am a big uh, proponent of coaching myself. Um, do you have a daily success plan? And if so, what does that daily success plan look like?
0: So I do, I have a schedule that I work with. It's, um, I, I think it's important to have a schedule that you work with. Okay. Um, it kind of keeps you on track of what you're doing. I mean, it's, it's, it it's has to be fluid obviously from our, what we do for a living, but um, you know, it, it breaks down basically my day to day from, you know, from start to finish, you know, getting up in the morning, going to the gym, working out, returning emails, making phone calls, following up on any paperwork that I have to have done, blocks out time for prospecting, blocks out time for um, lead generation, you know, blocks out time for showings, and then, you know, goes through all my entire day.
1: I love that. I'm such a huge component of a daily success plan myself. Uh, so I love that you have that. Do you find that it's easy to stick with or do you find it more challenging?
0: I, I, mine's pretty open. So because of you just, you know, you get a call at one o'clock in the afternoon and says, I want to see a home today at three and you have to kind of drop everything. So I've got, mine is more fluid uh, of this is the the items I need to accomplish during the day uh-huh. than, you know, time blocking that I'm going to do things during a specific time. Yeah. So, it's easier to stick to it, um, and I don't beat myself up if I don't stick to it, which is which is Very a big benefit for me. Yeah, I, you, you can't kill yourself because you didn't get something done during the day. Right,
1: absolutely. I understand that completely. Um, now, uh, Maryland realtors has said that July to July over the last that those twelve months we are down twenty two percent. And I'm wondering what have you done with your business to pivot during the last 12 months and, and as this market is uh, challenging?
0: You know, I think it's really, you've got to go back to the basics. Um, back for the last three years when it was easy, everybody jumped in the industry and you're, you know, it was easy to sell homes and everybody was making money. And those that you know didn't have the basic skills are the people that are suffering so Mm -hmm. it's going back to the basics and grinding and making phone calls and calling your leads and following up with your leads and following up with your sphere and um you know being out there every day talking to people and you know literally just grinding those that are grinding are working and those aren't grinding are complaining about not working so
1: very true very true that's what the whole part of this podcast is i hope it shines a light on other realtors to see uh, if they could just take a little snippet of something that everybody does and find what works in their day and let them implement it, so it could help them um, change. It could help them grow their business.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of technology out there that everybody wants to use—be fancy and be cool—and TikTok and Instagram and DMs and all that stuff. And that's all nice, but I think it really—this is a basic industry, and you know, you've got to connect with people, and you got to follow up with people, and you got to to do the basics it's it's cool to see everybody's tiktok videos but i've never made a dollar off of tiktok
1: yes i just read a book on how to monetize tiktok and yeah. that was pretty that was p- pretty mind blowing to understand the difference of monetizing and not monetizing just having fun on there yeah. Um uh, so that in and you're absolutely right you've got to be able to do that and understand what it takes to do that uh and learn from those that are doing it on how to do it so i couldn't agree with you more Um, I'm wondering if if you look at your numbers from the last 12 months, um, how much of your business is based off of referral as opposed
0: to lead jet? Probably a 40% referral business right now. I mean, referrals are down. um, Just because people that are, people aren't moving that would normally be a referral. Mm. You know, so it's, it's, you know, my clients that are in their houses that have been in their houses four or five years that would normally be moving at this point aren't moving unless they absolutely have to. So I think that's a big change in the market is that people aren't moving just because they want to move. People are only moving because they have to.
1: Yes. Big difference in that in that market. Um, and well, That question just leads me to another question. Um, what market do you think is is being hurt the most at this time? Is it the, do you feel it's the first time home buyers? Do you feel it's the move up buyers? Do you think it's the move down buyers, the luxury buyers? Uh, do you, do you, where do you see the, the difference uh, the biggest difference?
0: I think the, the I don't want to say first time home buyers, but the first time home buyers, uh, the under the, the 350 price point is the hardest right now. So I mean, that's really kind of a first time home buyer that there's no inventory in that market. Right. And there's an unrealistic, unrealistic expectation of interest rates. You know, for those of us been doing this for 20 years, we remember eight, nine, ten percent interest rates. Yeah. And, and so seven percent people are crying. It, it's really not seven percent. not terrible. Um, a good market rate should be four to five percent. But you know, when in a year and a half ago, you could have gotten three or two and a half percent. People are, are a little bit shell shocked. So the first time in the the lower end market and the entry level market is is really hurting from a lack of inventory, uh, which is driving prices up, and then from you know a lack of buying power because of interest rates. Um, in the middle market, the four hundred to six hundred market, those people aren't. If you were six hundred thousand two years ago, now you're five twenty five. So you're still in the market. You still have the ability to purchase. You're just not in the same price range you were. Right. The luxury market. People are buying million dollar homes. They're not affected. They're they're buying million dollar homes. Yes. Um, so th- that's really not an issue. What you what we see is typically is someone who was your buying power is diminished by about fifty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, your expectations have to adjust to that. So yes. that, that's, so the middle market's really not affected as much mm-hmm. from a buying standpoint.
1: From a buying standpoint, but as a selling standpoint, do you feel is that it's those uh, that, that, uh, that middle market, if you will, that uh, five to 700,000 that they're, if you're talking about the sellers, they're the ones that are, I don't want to say hurting at this time, but they're the ones that don't need to sell, but they may want to sell. Um, So they may have more of a challenge. What is your thought process there?
0: I think that if home is priced right, marketed right and shows well, it'll sell. Mm. So that, I mean, that's just what it is. I listed a house uh, in the last month, I had two homes sell, one for 700,000 and one for 550,000. We sold them all within two days. So it, it's it's pricing them correctly, setting expectations correctly, and marketing them correctly. Um, and you know everybody wants top dollar for their house, but they have to be realistic. If your house is a five hundred fifty thousand dollars house, you can't list it at six hundred. You've mm-hmm. got to list it at five hundred fifty. Right. So I don't see a big homes that have had price reductions were overpriced in the first place
1: right you know what see my my thought always goes there i always have that question when i see a price drop and it makes me stop and wonder why and of course i'm not privy to the back end so i don't know if the seller's coming in hot saying i want this much for my house and the agents are saying well we'll start out there but if it doesn't have any traction in two weeks we're going to drop it to here or or you just don't know what that conversation is, but I always wonder that when I see that. It doesn't happen a huge amount of time uh, nowadays, but when I see it, it makes me stop and I just, I want to go and knock on the door and ask.
0: <laughs> yeah. And really, typically it's the seller having an expectation of what they think the house is worth yes, compared to what the market thinks the house is worth. I, I tell all my sellers, it's real simple. Buyers, it, it may be a seller's market,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: buyers are going to dictate the value of the home. So you know, if you've got a nice home and you want to list it at seven hundred thousand dollars, but the buyers are only going to determine the value at five hundred thousand dollars, it's only worth five. It's only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. Very true. So if you overprice it, you're not going to get any showings. You know, you, even there could be no inventory on the market, and if you were overpriced, you still wouldn't sell it. Right. So. Right. Typically those come from an, an unrealistic expectation Or a lot of people, I, I, I had a client that you said, let's just throw it out there and see what happens. You know, let's list it at X dollars to see it, what happens. And if we get it, great. If we don't, then we'll reduce it. Um, it's not a strategy I prefer. Cause I, I think when you start doing reductions on homes, it has a negative connotation.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: People it, it start definitely- thinking there's a, People start thinking there's a defect.
1: Right, right. That, that totally makes sense. I can see where that, that where somebody's concern would go right there.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, if it's been on the market thirty days, there's a problem with it. What's wrong with it? Why doesn't anybody else want it?
1: Right. Now, in that in that circumstance, do you write something in the remarks like it was in contract but fell out of contract? Like do you? Do you proactively answer those questions that you know are going through buyers' minds? What's the strategy behind that?
0: Yeah, I mean, if you had a house that was under contract and then the contract fell apart and it was for a mortgage issue or or an inspection issue, I I think you can address those in the remarks and say, you know, a client – client client's mortgage fell apart couldn't couldn't continue with the contract. I mean you have to be careful what you say. Sure. If there was an inspection issue, I had one where there was an inspection issue. The buyers and the sellers couldn't agree on inspections or couldn't okay. agree on repairs. So we terminated and we put in there you know unable to come to agreement on repairs. Seller fixed repairs they thought were necessary. So you have to, you can address some of that stuff. Okay. If it's just a price reduction, there's nothing to address. Right. What do you put? Seller was unrealistic about the price. They wanted to list their home.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Uh, and what kind of trends? And since we're talking about all that right now, what kind of trends are you seeing in the marketplace today?
0: I think we're still seeing prices increase. Um, so and I don't think we're going to see a, a reduction in prices. Uh, I think we're going to continue to see prices increase. Uh, fairly dramatically and at a fairly steady pace. Um, And if if interest rates do drop, we're going to see more people jump in the market, which is going to create more demand, which is going to create more pricing pressure.
1: Yes. Yes. Which I just can't imagine them, the values increasing the way they have been the last three years. I'm excited myself as a homeowner, Um, (laughs) but uh, it, it, it worries me for, my children that are now adults buying that are trying to buy stuff and like how crazy the market is right now.
0: Yeah. And you know, you got to kind of look at it from the flip side and say, if the market continues to go up, then, you know, 10 years, how much equity will they have to be able to buy their next home? So it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You got to jump in and, and, and bite the bullet and, you know, you you really find it, it's interesting when you move from market to market, when you take your, you know, like the people moving out of California are selling homes for Mm. astronomical amounts and moving to Texas, Idaho, Colorado, and they're driving the market there because they're walking in with cash and paying cash, ridiculous amounts of money. So, you know, if you take your house here in Maryland and you sell it and you move to Texas or Florida or, you know the. So the Mid-South, you know, you can have a ton of equity. So yeah. it's kind of relative.
1: That is, I, I'm still always very shocked by how many people are purchasing in cash nowadays.
0: I, I me too, it's it's surprising me. Where, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know where they're getting the cash from, but good for them.
1: Yeah, very, very good for them. I'm, I'm always shocked. Um, so uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, so what uh, goals do you have for your business as you go forward, as you finish out uh Q3 and start into Q four of twenty twenty three, because we're recording uh you know on the end of September. So I'm wondering what goals that you have for yourself um during this time?
0: So I mean you're strong. Um I gave all my 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 buyers agents and listing agents goals for them to complete for the end of the year. I mean, we're going to be down a little bit this year compared to last year. Um, Not going to be down quite 20%, which we're okay with. Um, You know, we got to finish the year strong. And then um, really, we're already looking at um, 2024 at this point. Right. We're, I think as an agent, I've got to look 60 days out. So I'm already looking at, at, at November, December at this point. So, you know, that we're, we're into, we're into the first quarter of next year. So we're, we're, everything we're doing now is, is January business. Mm, so we're trying good. to just finish, finish what we've got this year, get a couple of deals at the end of the year and then go into January strong. You know, if we, if we can get through December, January, February strong, we'll have a great 2024.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I was just talking. um, I'm putting together an actual uh, video CMA challenge. Uh, So it is going October 1st to October 30th. So if you and your team want to join with us, you're welcome to. And we're going to do one unsolicited video CMA a day. Uh, So it has to be unsolicited. It's got to be on video. We're sending it to our past clients, our family, our friends, just so that they know what the what their home would sell for today? Um, they're unsolicited, so that they follow back up. And my thought process is, uh, the person that does the most amount of them is going to win an hour with a digital marketer, and the person that converts the most into actual listings in that 30-day time frame will win um, an hour with a social media content person. So I really want to again, because the whole goal is to grow your pipeline, right? At like you were just saying, as you enter, right. exit 2023 and oh into 2024, I'd like to see everybody. And of course we know that listings are down. So what could we do to build up our listing pipeline? So this right. is something I came up with. I'll send you uh the video and to see if you you know, you and your people are interested in joining. There's no fee for this. It's just for fun. I want to see if we can bring more listings into the marketplace.
0: Yeah, no, that'd be that's interesting concept. I love that idea.
1: Thank you, thank you. I'm happy to share that with you. Yeah, um, that'd be great. Absolutely. So, are there any um, specific skills that you and your team are working on as you, um, not just the goals, but the actual skill sets that you may be working on as the market pivots?
0: I, I really, we're working on follow up, making phone calls. Um, you know, the the thing people don't like making phone calls is the fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to make a phone call because they don't want to get told no. And the hardest part of making phone calls is getting started. So uh, my skill that I'm working on with my my agents is just sitting down and grinding through the first five phone calls. And once you get through the first five phone calls, the next 20 fall in line easily. So it's uh, really what we're working on right now is eliminating procrastination on the team. And making sure that everybody's just sitting there and and doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's, it's easy to get sidetracked and do something else. Yes, um, we want to make sure that we are um, making our phone calls and that kind of stuff. So that's really it. I mean, we're doing some stuff with AI and the marketing. Our marketing company is doing stuff with AI, and I kind of leave that to them because it's, I, you know, it's hard to say what what is what is trendy, and I don't want to get caught up in a trend right now. So. Sure. I understand
1: that. So, w- with you and your team, because they're making they're making the outbound calls, are y'all working on scripting um, and how to handle objections and how to have those conversations?
0: Yeah, we do that. I mean, I've got some scripts that I work with, and I, I really it, I don't I try not to be. My scripts are more of outlines rather than written down scripts, and, and you know, if someone says this, you say this, and if someone says this, you say that. I want my people to be more. Uh, able to just kind of freewheel it and have a good conversation with somebody instead of trying to, you know, look, I don't want to sound like a telemarketer. Like when you get that call, you know, Oh, I'm here to sell you something. We want to just have a conversation with them, talk to them and and then kind of work our way through it. So my scripts are more uh, outlines and conversational than they are, you know, find the next sentence to fill in the blank.
1: Sure. I understand that. I, um, so I, 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 had somebody on the podcast, and they had told me that their research shows, and I don't have the statistic in front of me, um, or or the research in front of me, pardon me, but they told me that their statistics show that the average lead, whether it's a Zillow lead, a Redfin lead, or a Google uh, lead, uh, any kind of pay, or even Facebook pay-per-click lead, the average incubation time for a lead is about 13 months. And that's because yes. so many people nowadays, with a Gen Zs and the and the younger uh, millennials, are not recognizing um, that when they they seem to wake up and want to buy a house, and they've put no preparation into it. So when they're making the first phone call to us, they're they don't know what has to go into purchasing. So we're just getting them on the front end. And then that 13 year, that thirteen month, pardon me, not year, 13 month incubation period occurs that we have to follow up with them, communicate with them and let them know what they need to do in order to be able to purchase. So I think that was a very profound information that I was provided with, 13 months is on average. And so I it makes you feel better when you're having those conversations.
0: Well, it takes eight contacts on average before eight, eight touches before you can actually make contact with somebody.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And then you're looking at 12 contacts before you can actually get somebody to probably commit to a purchase.
1: Right. So,
0: you know, you're, you're looking at making, and the millennials have changed. They don't want to talk on the phone. So right. you know, it's eight or 10 texts and emails right. to get them to communicate back with you. So I think that's really more challenging with the younger demographics is communicating in the style that they're, they're more accustomed to, yes. uh, you know? So that's something we have to really, I think as an industry focus on is how can we communicate with people in a way that they want to communicate back, because you know, ten years ago you just picked up the phone and called people, and people answered the phone. Now nobody answers the phone. You got to text them twenty times to get them to call you back.
1: Right, right, right. It's, it's, it. I find that very. That's what I kind of like to take continuing ed about is figuring out uh, in the newest way how to communicate effectively with people in the in the in the way that they appreciate communicating. Right. So I'm I'm right there with you. I get that all the time. I completely understand. Uh, what you're doing, uh, so if people are interested in speaking to you about your team and understanding how your team runs, uh, where can they reach you at? How could they reach out to you?
0: I mean, they can reach me on my cell phone, it's 443 640 5126, or they can always reach out through the website, it's kirksoldit.com. Perfect.
1: Thank you so very much for coming on here with us today and taking the time to uh, feed back into the Maryland um, Real Estate Influencers podcast community and share with them what's working for you uh, and for your team as well. And I hope that somebody reaches out to you and finds out, you know, what you're doing and how you're doing it and that that, that you have so much to offer to them. I'm so grateful. Thank Um, you. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. And for those of you that are in the community, please do me two favors. One is to send this to two of your real estate friends that would find this valuable. And number two is please take a moment and uh, provide a review on whatever podcast platform you're watching us on so that we can get this information to as many Maryland realtors as we can. Thank you so much, Kirk, for today. I do appreciate your time and I hope you have a great afternoon.
0: You too. Thank you very much.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you for joining the Maryland Real Estate Influencers Podcast. We'd like to ask you two favors. Number one, forward this podcast to three of your favorite realtor friends. They'll thank you for it, and I'll thank you for it, too. Number two, we'd love reviews. It helps get the word out